Aren't you glad today you know the name of Jesus? Just north of Dubai, there is a city in the United Arab Emirates by the name of Abu Dhabi, and it's one of the capital cities there of United Arab Emirates. There's a grand mosque that is in that city. It cost $1.7 billion to build white marble and very elaborate. And as you walk around that mosque, you'll find there's one wall where all the names of God according to the Islam faith, is engraved into that white marble. A friend of mine was there recently, and he noticed all these names written in Arabic going up to the top of a pyramid, and there was a missing spot at the top, and he asked the guide, what is this? And they said, those are the 99 names of God. He said, but it seems to be there's something missing at the top. And they said, that's the one name we're still looking for. That is the name that will be above all the other names of God. And when we find it, we will engrave it on that wall. I'm glad I know what that name is. Jesus! Hallelujah! At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. Oh, hallelujah. So thankful for all of you that are here today. This is the month of June, and our theme for this year, the 12 wells taken from verses that we read as the children of Israel were coming over the Red Sea. This well is, the month of June, is rebuild. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Some of you know we're, uh, we're nearing the start of our new construction here at the church, uh, where we're going to be totally remodeling and rebuilding our sanctuary. Four years are going to double in size be all risers in the back, all new theater seats, carpet, um, environmental video. Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. You're going to have to actually buy a ticket to come to church. <laughs> hey, man, we're going to have a good time. So we're just waiting for Palm Bay to give us a permit. Everything's completed, all the construction documents, the subs are lined up. And uh, we're looking forward, we're hoping to start that this month, um, but it will be uh, very shortly. They're going to work on one foyer at a time, um, and uh, so we can keep having church in here uh, as long as possible. And we have to go over to the Life Center for a few weeks when they come in and redo the sanctuary. Um, that's a possibility, but hopefully it'll only be for a couple of weeks. But uh, we will be able to uh, continue to have service in here, but it's going to be an exciting time. And so this month is rebuilt, talking about that physically, but also spiritually. And uh, I just got word uh, this past week that they're starting the Florida House and the Children's Orphanage uh, on the hill in Haiti, where this church bought all of that land, and it's all walled, and construction is starting. We're also on the board for Tubelo Children's Mansion out in Tubelo, Mississippi. And um, they've also requested help. They're putting together schedules, construction teams. If you're a man or a woman or you want to be on a construction team and uh, go to Haiti or go to Tubelo, Mississippi, I'm going to ask that you would meet with me after service this morning in the multi-purpose room. If you go out to the main foyer and you turn to your right, right back there at the end of that hallway is a multi-purpose room. And we'll meet there for a real quick meeting about five minutes after church. Acts chapter 15 and verse 16. After this, I will return. 
and will build again. Everybody say build again. The tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. I want to speak this morning on this subject, rebuild the tabernacle. Rebuild the tabernacle. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God this morning. This uh, verse comes to us, of course, from the book of Acts, and we're excited about next week. If you've got friends or family, anybody that needs the Holy Ghost, bring them next week. Brother, uh, Brother Noe and Sister Don um, are going to be with us next week as well. We're going to have a crusade. Brother Noe is the um, church planner and the missionary in Guatemala. And uh, those of you uh, that come on a regular basis know that we went down there and had a crusade in the northern part of Guatemala in the month of March. And uh, we saw over 800 people receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. I'd like to see that right here in Palm Bay. And so we're just going to have a Guatemalan crusade next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. We're going to baptize people. People are going to get the Holy Ghost. We're going to have a big time. That's next Sunday. So don't, don't miss that Pentecost Sunday. But the book of Acts has all of these great illustrations of what the New Testament church was supposed to be. And ladies and gentlemen, we're a part of that New Testament church. And one of the aspects of this New Testament church that we read about in the book of Acts, of course, we know the book of Acts started out Peter preaching and, you know, the day of Pentecost and that literally Pentecost, that word 50 days, 50 is what the word Pentecost means. And they celebrated this going all the way back to the Old Testament from the, the Jubilee feast, 50 years, every 50 years, they got a Jubilee where you got your land back and you got your debts paid off and and that's something God gives us a spiritual jubilee. Amen. Pays off the debt of sin. We couldn't pay that debt off, but the Lord gives us that in the spirit. We know that. Well, in the Old Testament, they would have this period of Pentecost feast, and this was 50 days after. This is what they were celebrating in the beginning of the book of Acts. When Peter got up and preached to them, they said, what do we do to be saved? He said, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. How many of you are glad you know the name that is applied to you in baptism? It's that name of Jesus. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And of course, it was poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts 8 and Samaria and Acts 10 and the household of Cornelius and Acts 19 with the disciples that were in Ephesus. And, and that, that New Testament explosion that just took off the Middle East and it spread through a lot of Paul's missionary journeys into Turkey and up into Europe and all that took place. And of course, here we are today in America, and we still are celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And over 2,000 years later, and God is still pouring out His Spirit. What a great God we serve. And here we see that the writer, Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts as he did the gospel that bears his name. But in this verse, the speaker is quoting from an Old Testament verse in Amos, Amos being an Old Testament prophet where it was prophesied that the tabernacle of David would be built again like it was in the original form. This reference has often been linked to praise because praise is what personified the life of David. We look at David in the Old Testament and we see that he wanted to build a tabernacle and, and the Lord said, but your hands are bloody from battle and so David built a much more... Uh, a smaller version of what his son Solomon 
would then build, and it was very elaborate, Solomon's temple. But before that, David said, I want a place where God can be praised, a place that we can put the Ark of the Covenant. And so the tabernacle of David was built, and it personified praise. But ladies and gentlemen, it was more than just a building. How many of you know you can build a tabernacle of praise in your car or in your house or on the job or in Walmart or in Walgreens, wherever you're at? You can say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and build a tabernacle of praise right there. And so we look at this tabernacle of praise and so... It was told about in the Old Testament, and then we read about in the book of Acts that it's going to be rebuilt. God's going to have a people that's going to praise him. He's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. He's going to have some modern-day Davids. He's going to have some people in the 21st century that aren't afraid to praise God, regardless of what their position is. David was the wealthiest man alive. He had more money than Bill Gates. Think about that for a moment. He was the king of Israel. He gave, they look at it modern day money and they say that in one offering, David gave over $100 million. David was the wealthiest man alive, but when the Ark of the Covenant came into Jerusalem, he threw all of his royal robes off and got out in the street and began to worship God because he was going to bless the Lord, oh my soul. He's the one that wrote, one day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that in me is. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't ever get too educated. You don't ever get too wealthy. You don't ever get too blessed. But that you can't build a tabernacle of praise on the God. God's going to have a tabernacle. He's going to rebuild it in the 21st century. God's going to have a people that's going to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why should all the sports figures have all the praise? Why should the football teams have all the crazy people with letters written on their stomachs out there in the middle of freezing weather in Green Bay, Wisconsin? My God, have mercy. There ought to be some Jesus fanatics that say, I'm crazy enough to live a righteous life. I'm crazy enough to be different and to say, I'm going to live a holy life under the Lord. Holiness has a name, and it's Jesus. I'm going to be crazy enough to say, God is so good. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I don't care where I'm at and what I'm doing. You know, I told him in the earlier service, you can start to praise God in a public place and change the whole atmosphere. We were coming back on the plane. We were out in a conference in Mississippi this past week, and last night we were flying back in, and Gregory, they got Bible quiz finals coming up next week, so I was quoting Gregory his Bible quiz verses, and they, my son Gregory, we, we were up there. We weren't in first class where the liquor flows freely. We were just behind first class in, in the bulkhead there, and uh, my family all tells me I'm going deaf, so... They, when they quote to me, they have to quote real loud, and I make them make sure they got every word right and all of that. They hate quoting to me. They'd rather quote to anybody else, even a stranger on the street. But to quote to dad, oh, it's going to be painful. So I try to bribe them. If you'll come up and sit with me, you have to quote, but you get a little bigger seat up there in economy comfort. It's not first class, but it's close to it. So I had Gregory talk, and we got up there, and we started quoting verses. 
And you could smell liquor coming from first class. But Gregory was quoting them verses, and he was quoting them so loud. And they've studied apostolic doctrine this year. We had all these, all these one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God. <laughs> of course, he's having to quote loud because his dad's half deaf, you know. So, boy, after a while, people started talking and people started drinking more. And then after a while, you could feel the whole atmosphere change. Ooh, I'm going to tell you what, if you just start getting into the Word of God and proclaiming the Word of God, you'll stir up all kinds of spirits, good and bad. After a while, the bad spirits start saying, I wish y'all would keep quiet back there. I wish we're trying to talk up here. Everybody around us got louder and louder, and we got louder and louder too. You know why? Because it don't matter where you at, you can build a tabernacle. You go up in the middle of Chick-fil-A and just start talking about the goodness of God and mess up everybody. Brother Joel Urshan, who was here last week, him and I were in Chick-fil-A with our families up in Chicago a couple years ago. And boy, we just started talking about how good the Lord is. And somebody come up off the street, come up in the middle of Chick-fil-A and just started speaking out loud in the middle of Chick-fil-A. All kind of profanities. And we supposed to tolerate all that. But as Christians, we're supposed to stay quiet and stay in a corner and dare not say the name of Jesus. I say hogwash on all that. This country was founded on people getting up and declaring, we better pray and get a hold of God or we're not going to make it as a nation. Come on, apostolics. Come on, Pentecostals. You ought to rebuild the tabernacle. This is not meant for just being in church. You can build it in your home, on the street, in the marketplace. Woo! Hallelujah! He's going to have a people that's going to praise him. Now, this tabernacle is not just a physical location. It's a people. But today, I want to look at something beyond just building a tabernacle of praise. I want to focus on the nature of God to help us rebuild. Not just rebuild, but rebuild in the very place where the disaster occurred. I'm so glad they rebuilt 9-11 right in the very spot and built a big old tower and called it Freedom One. I'm glad they didn't go to another location. We're going to come right up here in the very spot where y'all tried to destroy the American heart, but we got united together, rooted out the bad guys, cleared out the rubble, and built up into say, we're still America, and we still believe in freedom. Do you know what the Lord likes to do? He likes to take the very heart, the very body, the very mind, where the devil has tried to destroy it through hate and through hurt and through heartache and say, right here, I'm going to build a tower of freedom. In the very place. The Bible says in the verse that we read that he will rebuild in the ruins thereof. I will build again the ruins thereof. The ruins right in the very area, the very spot, the location 
where the devil had tried to plant his, his flag of despair and hurt right in that spot. The Lord says, I'm going to have some praise right here. I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. I'm going to take that very ground that the devil thought was his ground. God doesn't need a new location. He don't need a new land or a new law. He doesn't even need a new heart. He'll give you a new heart. He does heart transplant surgery. A lot of times people say, well, you know, preacher, if I can get things right, if I can get some things settled at home, and if I can just get my ducks in a row, and, and I'm going to come to church. You need to come with all your stuff. All your junk, all your trouble, all your hurt, all your heartache, all your hang-ups. Come with all of it and just say, God, here I am. I'm a mess. You don't have to clean up before you come to God. God will clean you up. God will rebuild into ruins thereof. Oh, hallelujah. He'll take the broken life and repair it. Now, Paul wrote and said this. He was quoting from Hosea, but he wrote and said this in Romans chapter 9, verse 26. And it shall come to pass that in the place, everybody say the place, where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. In the very place where it was said they are not my people, the Lord says, they're going to be called the children of the living God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God specializes with messed up, broken down tabernacles. You say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? The Bible says that we are tabernacles. We are to be a tabernacle of the Holy Ghost, but we put a whole bunch of other stuff in the tabernacle that this tabernacle was not created to hold. We got all kinds of other stuff in that tabernacle. But God said... I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle. Hallelujah. <laughs> In the very spot where the children of Israel were praising and worshiping and shouting Hosanna as Jesus came back into Jerusalem was a place that the Bible describes as the descent of the Mount of Olives. Do you know the descent of the Mount of Olives is the exact location where the tabernacle of David stood at one time before it fell? And it fell into disrepair because of neglect. Because after Solomon's temple was built... It was so glamorous and it was so ornate. I mean, it had the best cedars. It had to come from Lebanon and, and, the, and the goldsmiths and the chiselers and all the marble. Everything came. I mean, it was unbelievable. They came from all over the world to see it. Nobody wanted to pay attention to little old David's little old tabernacle down the street. We have Solomon's temple. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope we don't ever forget where the Lord brought us from. I don't care how much God has blessed you. I don't care how beautiful your life is now. You better not forget what it was like when you first came to the Lord. And you said, God, here I am. Right now, we got all kind of cushiony pews, and we got air conditions, and it's fixing to get even more cushiony. But hear what I'm telling you. I hope we don't ever forget where the tabernacle of David came from. 
It ought not to fall because of disrepair. We don't ever graduate to where the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus is ever extinct or too archaic for our, our lifestyle now. We don't ever get to a place that we graduate from biblical principles. I don't care if we build the Taj Mahal. Ain't none of it's going to matter unless God dwells in the house. I say today it's time to rebuild the tabernacle of David. It's time to say I will bless the Lord at all times. Woo. That very spot where praise was restored, where hope was restored. The psalmist said he will turn your sorrow into joy and your mourning into dancing. He uses the very ingredients of hurt. He uses those ingredients, the very same DNA. He uses that to create joy. Some of you wondered why you went through stuff as a kid. Can I tell you that God was giving you the ingredients? Jesus, help us. I hope I can communicate this today. You to go through some stuff because he deposited some things in your spirit. You didn't know why or where or what, but God was going to use that hurt to, to turn it into joy. And you were going to go through a test, but he was going to give you a testimony, and you were going to be more compassionate to others. And you didn't realize it, but out of that hurt, out of that sorrow, what's going to come joy, what's going to come dancing, what's going to come hope, it was going to be built again. Not in a new location. But he'll take whatever you give him and rebuild. And so the Bible says we're the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. All of our broken promises, our broken hearts, the windows that are busted and broken, dreams that have been dashed, hope that has been crushed, the paint is chipped, the cobwebs have taken over, the roof is hanging down. He takes that canvas and rebuilds. You talk about extreme makeover. Have y'all ever seen them shows on television? Some of y'all afraid to vote. <laughs> Have you ever seen it on your neighbor's television? <laughs> they take an old busted, broken down house. And they get that couple in there and they say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they show them all these computer programs and they say, now y'all go away. And then they bring you there and they show you bits and parts. And this one's doing that and that one's doing this. And, and then they get in there in front of the, and they say, are you ready to see it? And we're all like. <laughs> and they go to commercial. And you wait and you mute it because you hate commercials. You don't want to know about a new deodorant. You've had the same deodorant for 30 years. You're not changing now. You're happy with your Ford F-150. You're not going to buy a Chevy. You don't care what they're advertising. But when they get through it all, you waited and waited because you got to see what it's going to look like. And then they come back and say, are you ready? You're ready? You're... And they roll it back and you're like, that's the same house? you got to be kidding me. How do them people do that? No. You can hear angels singing as they roll it back. Whoo, man. You look at that, you're like, that's unbelievable. Can we hire them people to come up to our house? 
<laughs> Folks, if man can do that with wood and with stucco and with drywall, what do you think God can do to a human heart? <laughs> you got some family members that still can't believe you got saved. Some of you got friends that's waiting for you to mess up. They said, I know you go down there and got religion, but it ain't going to be long. You're going to be messed up. You're going to be in trouble. I can't believe you down there. I'll party with you. We used to close the clubs down. There ain't no way you down there in that Pentecostal church and worshiping God. I know that's going to be for a little while, but after a while, you're going to come back here with us. We got, they're waiting for you to just fall apart. You know what drives them crazy? Call them every Monday. Woo, we had good church this Sunday. <laughs> tell you what happened i'll never forget we were building the old church down here in the east end of palm bay road back in the 80s and dick and ken sias two brothers that had gotten saved and man i'm gonna tell you what before they got saved they used to have an igloo cooler they they unbelievable carpenters still are but they had an igloo cooler before they got saved and they had all the bottle tops for all the beers that they drank every day and they ran around barefoot. And my dad taught them a Bible study and they got saved. And when they got saved, they got saved. 35 years later, they're still faithful to the house of God. Unbelievable. Some of the best people you'll ever meet. And they were putting, the, they were putting up the trusses in that old church down there east in Palm Bay Road. And Bishop Myers told me this story. I, I think I was still in Minnesota in Bible school or somewhere. But they had all these different subs that come in there. And, and Ken was up there running on the top of them rafters and they were you know crane bring them over and they have to tie them all down and make sure they don't fall and all that and put all the, the boards across them and all that and he's running around up there i don't know if he had shoes on that day or not but he was running around up there and one of the subs came up they had to deliver you know plywood or boards or something and they come up there and they looked up there and they said is that ken Sias?" and my dad said yeah he's a he's a member of our church they said no he's not <laughs> My dad said, oh, yeah, he got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's a regular member now. He comes down here. We have church three times a week. You'll always see Ken in church. That guy just stood there and looked in the air like that. He didn't say anything for a long time. Finally, he just said, that knocks my socks off. <laughs> he, he couldn't believe it. He said, I know that guy. I grew up with him. But God has rebuilt the tower. Oh, I'm talking about an extreme makeover. I'm talking about a new way of walking, a new way of talking. He's going to turn the sorrow into joy. He doesn't need something new. He can take what you've got and make it brand new. Oh, you ought to give God some praise in this house. Are you thankful that the Lord made something new out of your life? Let me hurry. So the temple was built by Solomon and then Zerubbabel and then Herod. And it was all the same site. The same site. And the great tribulation, it's going to be the site where they're going to rebuild the tabernacle again. And it's going to happen before the tribulation. It all started out as the site where Abraham obeyed God and built an altar of sacrifice. It's Mount Moriah. It's still the same site. God said, we don't need a new place. We're just going to build it right here. Right on Mount Moriah. 
It's where they built the temple. It's where they built the temple. It's where they rebuilt the temple. where they rebuilt the temple. All through the years. And they got another temple that's yet to be built on it. But if you go there right now, there's two mosques that are up there. And sometimes we forget the promises of God because all we can see is the obstacles. But I want you to look past the obstacles today. And I want you to look into the promise that God put in your heart. Some of you have been having, you've been having a seed of the word that has been in your spirit for years. I'm here to tell you, it's going to come to fruition. I said it's going to come to fruition. Destiny is pulling you up. And that seed that's been planted there, just because you messed up, just because you haven't always done it right, doesn't mean that God's looking for somebody new or someplace new. He's going to rebuild right in the same location where it was originally planted. Say, how's that going to happen? Got two moths that are up there. Let me tell you something else. God's not only in the rebuilding business, He's in the excavation business. He can take some stuff out of your life. He got a bigger bulldozer than John Deere. Or cat, or whoever makes bulldozers. You can tell I'm out of my field. He can plow through a whole bunch of junk because you were created as a tabernacle of praise to glorify God, but we fill it all up with a bunch of other stuff. You were created to praise God. You were created to be a vessel of his spirit, but all we fill it up with praise for LeBron James. And Stephen Curry and Tom Brady, who my wife likes, I have no idea why. And all of these idiots out of Hollywood, and we fill up all our temple, our tabernacle, with a whole bunch of temples to other things. But I got a God that can come in there with a big old bulldozer and say, I'm reclaiming my land. I'm driving everything out of the land. That's what he did for the children of Israel. He drove out the Amalekites and the Amorites and the Philistines and the Moabites. And he said, this is my land. Oh, I've come to preach to somebody today. God's going to rebuild in the land that he claimed years ago. Some of you were dedicated to the Lord as a child. And sin has come and tried to plant its flag on you. And God said, you belong to me. You were created to worship me. When it came time for God to come to this earth, he did not look for a new creation. He picked a human, Mary. He picked humanity. The same flesh that had disappointed him time and time and time again. He was born of a virgin Mary. He chose the same canvas that he had worked on for thousands of years earlier. God is in the rebuilding business. God is in the extreme makeover business. Mm. Luke Air Force Base is west of Phoenix. 
Arizona and is rapidly being surrounded by suburban America, civilizations and houses and developments and neighborhoods. And they often will complain about the noise comes from Luke Air Force Base and its planes, forgetting that that base was there a long time before they were. A certain lieutenant colonel at Luke Air Force Base deserves a round of applause this morning because apparently an individual who lives somewhere near Luke Air Force Base wrote the local paper complaining about a group of F-16s that disturbed his or her day at the mall. Here's the complaint. Question of the day for Luke Air Force Base. Whom do we thank for the morning air show? Last Wednesday at precisely 9-11 a.m., a tight formation of four F-16 jets made a low pass over Arrowwood Mall. Continuing west over Bell Road at approximately 500 feet. Imagine our good fortune. Do the Tom Cruise wannabes feel we needed a wake-up call? Or were they trying to impress the cashiers at Mervyn's early bird special? Any response would be appreciated. The response came back from a lieutenant colonel. He said, regarding a wake-up call from Luke's Jets on June 12th at precisely 9.12 a.m., a perfectly timed four-ship flyby of F-16s from the 63rd Fighter Squadron at Luke Air Force Base flew over the grave of Captain Jeremy Fuquez. Captain Perquez was an Air Force officer who was previously stationed at Luke Air Force Base and was killed in Iraq on May 30th, Memorial Day. At 9 a.m. on June 15th, his family and friends gathered at Sunland Memorial Park in Sun City to mourn the loss of a husband, son, and friend. Based on the letter writer's recount of the flyby, and because of the jet noise, I'm sure you didn't hear the 21-gun salute, the playing of taps, or my words to the widow and the parents of Captain Frequest as I gave them their son's flag on behalf of the President of the United States and all those veterans and servicemen and women who understand the sacrifices they have endured. A four-ship flyby is a display of respect the Air Force gives to those who give their lives in defense of freedom. We are professional aviators and take our job seriously. And on June 15th, what the letter writer witnessed was four officers lining up to pay their ultimate respects. The letter writer asked, whom do we thank for the morning air show? The 56th fighter wing will make the call for you and forward your thanks to the widow and parents of Captain Fraquez and thank them for you for it was in their honor that my pilots flew the most honorable formation of their lives. Furthermore, only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier. One died for your soul, and the other died for your freedom. Lieutenant Colonel Brett L. Rosenstein, Jr. Oh, it may just be a noise to you. It may even be a nuisance that somebody gets out of the aisle and has a victory dance, or somebody claps their hands, but you don't know where they came from.
you don't know the story behind the praise. Oh, hallelujah. May just be a noise to you, but it's worship to someone else because they're rebuilding the tabernacle. You don't know what that person's gone through, but God is painting on the same canvas. So you got to excuse us if somebody gets overjoyed and may have to run the aisles, or somebody stands up and says, Praise the Lord. You may prefer a more sedate environment this morning. You may prefer a lecture-like sermon this morning. But you don't understand what has happened. We have been saved by grace. We have been bought by His blood, sanctified by His Spirit, and buried in His name. So forgive me today if we lift our voices and our hands and exalt the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can stand. David learned this as a young man. He learned how to take the bad memories and turn them into good memories. This is what he had to do in Ziglag. We read about in 1 Samuel 30 after the Amalekites invaded and took his family and his men while they were all gone. Stole all their possessions, burned the city to the ground, lost everything, and then his own men wanted to kill him. But David rebounded and rebuilt in the very location. He went after the bad guys, got his family back, got his stuff back, got his life back. And it was in Ziglag that he heard shortly thereafter that King Saul was slain. And now he would be the next king. In the same location where just a few weeks earlier it looked like it was all over. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, it's darkest right before the daybreak. The enemy of your soul takes your family and your house and your possessions and your friends turn on you. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Why don't you rebound? Why don't you recover? Why don't you let God rebuild? Rebuild. In the very location. In the very same place. God doesn't need you to do it. All he needs you to do is give him that blank canvas. And say, God, here I am. You don't have to get everything right. David didn't always do things right. Often he reacted the own, his own way and made a mess of things. But he always rebuilt. He always repaired. 
he had to rebuild after falling into sin with a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. Tried to hide it by calling her husband off the battlefield then putting him back on the front line so he would die in battle. Lost his son in the process. In the midst of it all, when you read Psalms 51, you're looking at a building project because David's trying to rebuild. Before we stand in judgment of David, I ask you, how many times have we made a mess of things? How many times have we ruined things because of our lust, because of our anger, because of jealousy, because of hurt, because of emotions, because of disappointment? I got good news for you today. I feel God's got a word for some people in this building. He's going to rebuild. So get up off the mat today and repent. I'm going back to church. I'm getting right with God. I'm not going to live in this ruin. David prays in Psalm 51 and says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. You see, my friend, you can't get... You can't get one block laid on this rebuilding project till you take responsibilities for your own decisions. David didn't try to pass the buck. He said, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin. Everybody say, my sin. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This is the excavation project, folks. This is everything getting cleaned out. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now the rebuilding is going to start. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew, 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 rebuild. Renew a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Would you bow your head all over this building? Would you close your eyes? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost talking. I'm asking you this morning under the anointing of the Spirit of God. Give it another shot. Don't quit trying. Don't quit reaching. Don't quit dreaming. It is within your grasp. It is within your grasp. 
Everything that you need is right here, right now. Would you step out from where you're standing? Would you walk to the front of this building? God is drawing. God is calling. Come on, just come down here and lift your hands. Lord, forgive me of every sin. I've tried to do it on my own. But I'm asking you, Lord. Wash me with your Holy Spirit today, oh God. Create me a clean heart, oh God. In the name of Jesus. I will bless your name, Lord. That's it with your own voice. Say, God, forgive me of every sin. Today, God, you can restore all this. You can rebuild this tabernacle. You can renew the joy and the praise of my heart. Come on, I'm not going to die on this mountain. I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to bless the Lord one more time. 